Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Decisions are a critical part of any business. How do we make decisions? How do we think through things? What goes into choosing why we do one thing versus another? We're going to dig into that, systems around it, how to prepare yourself for decision points and make sure you run a smooth business. This is Adam Kipnis, host of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Appreciate y'all listening today and taking in some good knowledge. As always, we are live on C-Suite Radio and uh, thank them for providing the platform as well as my sponsor, Network Together and the iNetrepreneur Network. It is a nationwide group of individuals meeting online for business, networking, community, and commerce. Go to ntevents.net for their full event schedule to meet great entrepreneurs. As I said, today we're going to talk about systems. We're going to talk about decision-making. We're going to talk about how you can make better decisions, run a better business. My guest is an entrepreneur, business owner, thought leader, uses a system to not only run his own business, but to coach the clients that he works with, Jeff Chastain. Thanks for joining us today and being part of this. Hey, thank you for having me as always. You're very welcome. Look forward to the conversation. And I always love to know where you're coming from. When did the entrepreneurial bug strike you, not only to be one, but to work with them? Well, it actually goes more years back than I prefer to count most days. But no, I actually started out in corporate America. So I didn't start as the, the kid entrepreneur or anything like that. But I worked in corporate America actually with HP for quite a few years. And honestly, just kind of got tired of big corporate business. And it was two d- divisions getting shuffled around, moving around kind of a thing every few years and just no vision, no why am I here? No purpose kind of a thing. It's, it's Simon Sinek's why kind of a thing. It was, it's like, what is my why? Why am I here? And got caught up in yet another reshuffling actually with that whole compact merger fiasco and just said, hey, enough of this. Let's let's go do my own thing instead kind of a thing. And actually went into technology consulting because that's my background is, is technology for a long time and started working with many of the entrepreneurial type businesses. And over the years really ran into the case where I was working with business owners that the the CEO was out on a golf course with his with his buddies saying, hey, yeah, our sales are down, our sales are not working kind of a thing. And his buddy says, well, I just, we just put in this new CRM system on our side here. Why don't you, what about that? And so he comes to me and says, hey, we need to, we need a new CRM. So we'd go through all the, the implementation process, all the, the work with everything there. And he'd come back and say, our sales didn't increase. Like, well, duh, you don't, have a sales machine. You don't, you don't have a sales process. You don't know how to sell. All you did was put in a technology tool here to amplify what you don't already have kind of a thing. So in, in working with way too many situations like that, I kind of went on my own pilgrimage there to say, okay, there's got to be a better way to grow, scale, build an entrepreneurial kind of organization than this. And ended up coming across the, the book Traction with EOS and Gino Wickman and just really fell in love with it because it's it's so concrete, so practical. And so much of the business stuff out there we look at from an entrepreneurial standpoint, we don't have an MBA and we go read all these big theoretical books, theoretical stuff. And it's like, okay, great. That's a nice idea. I read all this book or heard on this website, but what do I do with it? How do I, how do I actually make it useful in my business? And that's really what I like most about attraction and out of an EOS with is just 
really concrete tools. I know that we've, we've talked before and it's, it's just those concepts, those ideas of how do you, what's a, how do you do vision? How do you manage people? How do you manage data? Things like that, that it's like, okay, I can take this and actually apply it in my business today. So I made the switch at that point going from consulting to coaching, still working with the, the same kind of entrepreneurial kind of clients, but really looking at that just as a way that, okay, I can actually help here. I can actually help move the, the needle forward, help move those businesses forward rather than just selling another technology tool and fast forward several years. And here I am. <laughs> That's awesome. When, when, when you started that first technology consulting business, did you, did you go into it saying, I'm going to run a business or were you saying, Hey, I'll go get some consulting gigs and figure my life out. Where was that, that pivot point? It really started more from the, the consulting gigs. It, it was, Hey, I've, I've got software development expertise, project management expertise out of big corporations and actually very initially, I partnered with a, another consulting firm that uh, basically outsourced kind of work that they, they would go find the project and say, hey, here's a gig kind of a thing, go fulfill it and spent a very little bit of time with them before moving completely out of my own. But yeah, it was at that stage, it was definitely me and my, myself kind of a thing, just doing specific uh, contract gigs there. And it really started kind of building that. I don't know. I don't know if that was necessarily the start of the entrepreneurial kind of bug, but it, it definitely led to it. And I actually had another, went in with my brother-in-law at one point and tried launching a managed services, IT managed services firm. And I'd say that was really probably the biggest shift turning point because we figure, okay, it's more than just selling hours. It's actually selling services and selling products kind of stuff here and turning this into a business. And we, we had some success over a few years, but really ran into, honestly, a lot of the problems that entrepreneurs kind of run into is saying, okay, how do I get this beyond just two or three people to turn it into a real business? How do I grow this out and scale this? So that was one of the other catalysts or one of the other factors for me going out and saying, okay, there's got to be a better, better way, a better solution out here. Yeah. And so you go on that journey to find that better solution, obviously uh, books and you found a book that, 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 that struck you. How, how did you go on that? Um, uh, I guess that journey of figuring, of figuring these things out. Where did you start? How did you think about it? And what led you to the book traction? Well, really, it was not necessarily a, an intentional, hey, I'm going to go figure this out or, hey, I'm going to go do this. It was more just a case of, oh, okay, obviously that, that, my, that MSP failure and then seeing other kind of businesses struggle, just like, okay, I, there's got to be a better way, got to be something else to do. And I'm always a big proponent of self-teaching and self-learning kind of a thing there that I, I look at it no matter what the field is and say, hey, if you're not constantly trying to improve yourself, better yourself, learn more skills, et cetera, you're going to fall behind. So my, my bookcases are full of books kind of a thing. I've been to way too many webinars that turn into sales pitches, et cetera, kind of a thing. But still, it's, that's always just been my passion to go out and learn new things, go out and try new things. So this was really just an extension of that. But yeah, it's, I, like I said, I've been through so many different business books, especially trying to figure out, okay, I wanted to go have a bigger business, a, a more successful practice kind of a thing here and could not figure out how to do that. And like I said, most of the books were just theoretical knowledge. It's like, great. And, and for that matter, honestly, I actually went down the path of doing an MBA for a, a short period of time and just said, okay, this is, this is more school. I, I don't want to go back into the college system <laughs> here. This is too much. All I want to do is just go build a, build a business here. So yeah, there was, there was a lot of searching a lot of different paths, going down, just trying to find information and put it all together into something that was usable, really. 
and you were able to do it. Now you're able to bring it to, to other business owners, uh, entrepreneurs and business owners um, alike. Now, every business owner, everyone listening here knows that they should have systems in their business, right? They, it's, it's in, yeah, right. <laughs> it's not a surprise, but I found it, and maybe you have too, that a lot of those systems really just turn into taskless. They're not really systematic. Now, through the EOS, the entrepreneur operating system that you use, what's the difference between an operating system and the typical systems that you see when you go into a business and are like, here's our procedures, boom, and they drop it in your lap. What's the difference and how do people think about it in a new way? Well, one of the, pro EOS refers to it as process, but basically it's the same kind of idea. It's the process component and the the thought with, because I've seen exactly what you're talking about. We go sit down, we're going to invest weeks, days, weeks, et cetera, building out, documenting every step of our process here. It turns into this big six inch manual and nobody ever reads it kind of a thing there because it's just too onerous. They, they don't want to look at it. And it's like complete waste of time at that point. So from an EOS perspective, we actually adopt a 2080 rule to say that out of all the steps involved with that process, there's really only about 20% of those steps that actually give you 80% of the value. So from a process standpoint, document those 20% right there, that 20% of the, the high level stuff that gives you 80% of the value, get your team to follow on, follow that because one, it's much simpler, two, it's easier to follow, and three, it still encourages the creativity because you're not turning your team into just robots of, okay, hit every checkbox here. It's, it's one of those, I look at it from a sales process perspective to say, okay, what is your goal with your sales team? It's not necessarily, your goal really shouldn't be to make 10 calls a day kind of a thing. Your, your goal is to say, hey, get me five new customers of X percentage value, uh, quality product kind of a thing return. And we don't want to micromanage our people down the point of saying, okay, today you got to get your five calls, tomorrow you got to do this. Give them the flexibility to say, okay, if you're meeting that goal, if you're hitting the top 20% major stuff that we need to be done in order to do it right for us, I don't care how you go from A to B, as long as you get to B that maybe yours is making 10 calls, maybe yours is going to a networking event, maybe yours is going out and having coffee or lunch, whatever the case may be, but give the creativity back to your team that way to say, hey, bring your new ideas. If there's a better way to go from A to B, great. Tell us about it. Let us know. But B is really the only criteria, not all the A.1, A.2, A.3, all the micromanagement stuff in between that we invest way too much in and building those massive SOP kind of processes involved. And it's interesting that you say that because the, the, the purpose people think about as a system is to have things a little more regulated, is to make sure that everything's getting done. Yet in your system, in your processes, it's not, right? So how do you, how do you help business owners manage, all right, you've got your 20%, you can follow your own process, but you're still following the business's process. Does yeah. that make sense, right? <laughs> no, it definitely makes sense. And it's that's actually exactly it right there to say that, okay, there needs to be a defined way of doing things. We need a defined way of manufacturing our, our widgets to make sure we hit quality assurance standards, we meet our customer expectations, et cetera. And we need the system and the process there so that tomorrow I can go hire in a new uh, line worker or whatever it doesn't take months of 
hands-on training, et cetera, to make sure he or she's productive, we've got very simple processes that they can go pick up and learn real quick and still deliver that kind of quality. But it's a difference between, like you said originally, we're not giving them the six months training course with the massive manuals and go memorize and study all this because they're never going to get that. Or at the very least, they're spending six months on our payroll not being productive. So our focus is really, like I said, just hitting that top the, the, the peaks, basically, if you if you sit there and look at a graph of all that, we want to hit that top set of peaks right there that really are the critical components. So if it's a, a manufacturing process, we want to say, hey, you've got to do this step and this step. If there's a more creative way to get from A to B and B to C, great. We're not trying to sit here and, and tell you exactly everything you need to do, everything you want. It's just, okay, these are the critical pieces, the critical steps to solve our mission, to solve our product, to serve our, our customers in the best way possible. And it's really keeping it at that high level focus that's the key. Just, uh, I, I look at it, it's, it's a, um, oh, who's the quote by? It's an, it's an Albert Einstein quote way back when, and I'll mess it up here. But still, the idea is basically to say, keep everything as simple as possible, but not simpler. So it's like, we want to make sure we've got all the requirements in place, but at the same time, you're, I, I run into a lot of entrepreneurs the same way and I'm, I'm that way. I want all the details, make sure everything exactly is lined up. And that just turns you into a, a micromanaging kind of leader right there that, okay, that's, you got to be able to step back, allow your team to have some flexibility, have some creativity while still saying, yes, this is the way we're going to get things done. Deliver our product, our service, exactly the way it should be delivered here. And I want to, I want to bring that to, to a higher level along those lines. And that's the vision of a business or the vision of a, a, a new product line or the vision of um, what you're trying to achieve. So vision, obviously very high level, but sometimes when you get to the individual components of day-to-day -day work, the vision sort of disappears and you get involved in the work. So how do business leaders, um, whether it's just themselves doing business or whether they have a team of people, one, define that vision, and then two, make it actionable. How can people live that vision through a process like you have? I know that's something you talk a fair amount about with your clients. Yeah, I was gonna say, you're, you're reading my marketing material. I actually got a whole video series right now I'm working on talking <laughs> about vision because we're going into new year. And this is typically the time we're working with our clients say annual planning, okay, what is, what's your vision need to be updated for next year kind of thing. But yeah, from a, a vision standpoint, I find really most business leaders look at vision and say, okay, it's our one line mission statement, our, our couple of core values here that we sprinkle on the website and it never goes anything anywhere further than that. And from my perspective, vision should actually be almost the key core component kind of thing of your business that yes, it's core values. Yes, it's things like what is our core focus, but it's still your vision should almost to me answer three questions. It says, who are you as a company? So that's that's the usual kind of mission statement, but it should also spell out where you're going to say, okay, what are our longer term 10, 15 year goals? What, what are we doing as a business? And then third, basically spell out, okay, how are we going to get there? So it, if we can answer all three of those together as an overall encompassing vision, then what that brings is when you're saying, yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, I can still see the big picture vision, but I also see the closer end steps that we bring those plans and those goals, those, um, rocks in closer to say, okay, I know what I'm working on here for the next 90 days, what my priorities are for 90 days to say, and they exactly fit into our 10-year plan 
this way. So it gives me more of a, an ownership, a belonging in the company that I know what I'm working on actually fits into the bigger vision and actually matters in the long term. I'm not here just punching a clock or collecting a paycheck, which is really what I struggled with. And like I said, in my early days with corporate America, it's like, I'm just showing up here every day, nine to five, getting some work done, but what does it really matter kind of a thing as to whether I clock out at five or clock out at 4.30 or whatnot. It's just like, am I really, do I really have any purpose? And in a smaller business, we don't have the luxury of having employees like that on our payroll kind of a thing. We, we need everybody productive. We need everybody pushing things forward. So having them in tune with the vision, because that's, and really I'll say that's, that's really the fourth component of it. We've got the three questions answered, but having everybody knowledgeable about that, because a lot of times, especially the visionary types will have it in their head. They know what they want to see the company look like, but the rest of the organization doesn't necessarily see that or they're not, like I said, bought into it, sold into it to say, hey, this is my piece of that. So getting it shared with everybody on a regular basis. And that's where I go back to saying that's that's where we work with the, the clients on a yearly basis to say, hey, time to update your vision, time to figure out, okay, what's what next year's one year plan, et cetera and time to go share that again with the entire company to say okay this is what we're doing for the next year this is this is our plans for the next year and here's what your next quarter's work gonna fit into that kind of a thing so it's it's a much bigger picture like i said that really is more than just your mission statement on the wall it really is something that your entire team can get bought into and see okay exactly what i'm doing today really matters really fits into our bigger plan there and bigger picture going forward I love that topic, and it's something that I, I work with with a lot of my clients. If you think about, you know, the the vision of a company, and they want to do, I want to do ten million in revenue this year, and then you've got the receptionist out front, whose job it is to greet people and answer the phones. And if they don't understand why greeting people and answering the phones feeds that ten million dollar vision, they're just going to go through the motions and do their job. But they're a critical component because they're they're the face a lot of times for a lot of businesses when people come into the office. How do you help business owners really translate that to, especially those frontline or, you know, quote unquote, lower level individuals that, that don't have sort of the advanced thinking and training of a long-term vision? How do you get them to understand it so they can be like, oh my God, I am important to this? Yeah. Well, it's a couple of different factors we work with. So going back to the vision side, like I said, the, the first target is to say, hey, what's a big... 10, 15 years, something goal out there. What's the what's the big thing out on the horizon that you're wanting to shoot for, that this is going to be your mission to go aim for that as a company? But then we start bringing that back down in, in steps to say, okay, great, we've got 10-year plan. Now what does three years look like? Make that picture a little bit more clear here. Still, we're trying to stay away from the big planning guide, the branding guide, et cetera, kind of a thing that's huge. We, we actually document a vision in two pages is, is all it is, two, two, eight and a half by 11 pages, bringing that back down with what we refer to as a vision traction organizer. But yeah, bringing it back down and say, okay, what's a three-year picture? And then we actually say, okay, one-year plan. This Now we've got specific goals here to say, okay, in order to make 2021 successful, we need to have accomplished A, B, and C. If we get other things done or don't get anything else done but A, B, and C, we still know that this is a successful year because we got three specific objectives here. They're going to move us closer to our 10 year plan. And then we bring it down one more notch to say, okay, these are the specific objectives we have to do for the next 90 days. Same kind of idea that, okay, I know if there's nothing else that gets done on my desk, but these A, B, and C, 
that's still a successful quarter. I'm still good kind of a thing there. And those really get broken down to an individual level. So we know that even down to the front desk uh, receptionist kind of a thing there, you've got specific either numbers, measurables that, okay, I've got to have a certain response time on the phone, or I've got to be at my desk in these eight hours, whatever the, the specific criteria is there for that role, as well as any potential projects to say that, okay, potentially they're also handling some of the office management or they're handling some of the uh, data management with Excel or whatnot, whatever they, their role is defined as, but they've got specific goals, specific measurables there that they know of, that they're in tune with to say, okay, this is where I should be focusing for this next quarter right now in order to help us reach that goal. So it's really a matter of, I look at it as kind of the adage of how do you eat an elephant? Your, your, your big 10-year goal out there or even your three-year goal is the elephant. We got to bring that back down bite-sized chunks one bite at a time on typically a 90-day world for us to say, this is what we've got to do this 90 days, this quarter in order to reach that big goal up there. And it just, again, making it bite-sized there to where people can see it, can realize that, okay, yes, I can see out that way. It's, it's a nice picture. It's probably kind of fuzzy because it's still 10, 10 years away, but I've got this one little chunk right here, right in front of me. I can focus on this. I can wrap my arms around this and know that this is what I'm supposed to be working on. I don't have to go guess and say, hey, what are we, what are we really working on in order to try to reach that? And that's where a lot of times people get lost to say that, okay, I know that's where we want to go. I ain't got a clue how to get there. I don't have a clue how to break this down. And that's really the, the biggest key is to, okay, get this broken down into small chunks that I know exactly what I got to work on for this quarter in order to get there. And it brings, brings us back to what, where I started and introduced the episode was on decision-making, right? So many business owners make decisions based on the data set in front of them or how they feel that day or a little bit of a shiny object by breaking it down in these processes, decisions kind of make themselves. So how do you help your business owners um, think about the process as they're making these decisions that may come up? Like coronavirus comes up, that wasn't on anybody's 90-day plan, and they had to make decisions. The vision probably didn't change, but now the implementation of that 90-day plan. How do you help people with that? Yeah, and I, and I really, I think you actually answered it pretty well right there already, that it's really too many times the entrepreneurial types are used to making the gut decision, making, hey, this is what I want to happen. This is what we feel like should happen kind of a thing. And they're making decisions on that rather than on numbers. So a lot of it is making sure that you actually have the data in front of you, that we push a, a concept really referred to as a scorecard on it to say that, okay, you as the entrepreneurial business leader, we're sticking you out on a beach somewhere. You've got no phone, no laptop, no, no connectivity to the outside world. Your waiter is going to walk up to you today and hand you a piece of paper that's got 15 numbers on it. And you need to be able to tell from those 15 numbers exactly how your business is doing, where it's going, whether you're on track or off track kind of a thing. And then we roll that process down all the way down, like I said, to the, the, the lowest levels kind of a thing to say, okay, from a receptionist standpoint, what is, what's, what's the right measurable for your job? Because people will focus on whatever they're being measured on, whatever they're being scored on. So if we look at a salesperson, for example, and say, hey, we're going to measure you on, did you make 10 calls a day? They're going to make sure they make their 10 calls. But what we really care about is, okay, did you close any deals? Did you actually bring us any revenue? But because we're measuring the number of calls they made, 
<laughs> they're off focusing on that, not necessarily on the, the percentage of revenue that came in on the deal kind of a thing. So we've got to make sure that we've got the right numbers in place and really measuring what we should be measuring, i.e. the profitability of their deals coming in or the response time or greeting or whatever for the, the front desk kind of a thing there and rolling that together at each level of the organization to say, okay, all the way up to that CEO, can you really figure out, can you see these 15 numbers, a 13 week history to see, okay, where are the trends going and make decisions upon those numbers right there rather than doing the gut feel or the, the wishing or whatever. So when you talk about Corona, it, it, it happened, this one's probably still a little bit of a rarity kind of a thing because it did actually happen, the shutdowns and everything happened really quick, but at the same time, suppose you were doing a, a, a teaching, an education kind of class, and you start to see the in-person numbers start to trend off while you're seeing other industry trends or whatever for online teaching start to trend up, you got enough, hopefully, 13 weeks plus right there history to say, okay, I'm actually seeing real trends here. This is not a case of I'm making guesses based upon my my, my in-person classes or my in-person seminar registrations going down. I can actually see real data to say, hey, maybe I should be doing some pivoting in my business to offer some online courses or offer something else right now and make that shift in the business based upon real numbers rather than waking up at the end of the year and saying, wait a minute, our sales tank this year. Why? you've actually got some real numbers to hopefully make that pivot or that, that switch earlier on. And now it's my turn to, uh, to butcher a quote, but it's the be inflexible about what you want, but flexible about how you get it. And that's where um, knowing what you're looking for, knowing what you're doing allows you to make those shifts. So let's, um, let's break this down a little bit and sort of systematize how, how you work through clients. Cause I know you've got six components that you use to help make businesses successful. What are those six components and how should people be thinking about it as, they're, as they're, they get off of this and they're like, all right, Adam and Jeff, I know I need to do all the stuff you're telling me about. And I say it every year around this time and I never do it. Um, and, and they wanna get after it. They wanna use this as a little bit of motivation. What are those six components and how do they begin to implement that? Well, I'll start off by saying, honestly, go check out the book Traction kind of a thing, because there's no way in the world I can explain all this in two minutes kind of a thing. But <laughs> seriously, go check out the book. It's very concrete, very, very actionable. And then I'm sure, of course, come talk to me kind of a thing if you've got questions or don't like to read. But no, the six components, we've already touched on several of them. But basically, it starts off, the whole idea with EOS is that we deal with all kinds of issues in our business kind of a thing. There's pick your number kind of a thing. But what they really boil down to is six key areas that we say, okay, if you can strengthen these six key areas, all the rest of this stuff out here just turns into noise. This is just symptoms of the real root cause here in the six key areas. The, it's, and it starts off really with vision, like we had talked about, okay, building your vision, getting everybody 100% on the same page, pulling the same direction. Then we talk about the people side to say, okay, how do we get the right structure for our business first, then put the right people into that structure, into those right seats, making sure that they really, what we refer to as GWC, but really get one and have the capacity to handle whatever their seat is. So you've got a clear definition of their role. They understand their role. They understand what they're responsible for, what they're accountable for, rather than a lot of times where we hire somebody on and say, good luck, there's your desk over there, get started kind of a thing. So you got vision people, then we've touched on data side. So that's, again, just building the scorecards, making sure that we've got measurables down to every single person 
measuring what we really care about, not necessarily just a number. And we try to make those as forward looking as possible to say, okay, make sure we can keep ahead of whatever these trends are, whatever's moving here. So we've got vision people data. And the idea is that once we start strengthening those three areas, then the organization starts getting a lot more transparent, a lot more clear. And we've got, we can keep track of the fourth component, see if I can keep count here, uh, <laughs> is, is the issue side. And really the, the issue side is not getting rid of issues. It's more figuring out, okay, how can we empower our people to say, hey, there is something going on with this client or, hey, this system is broken kind of a thing. Be able to raise that issue and be able to put it on a list somewhere, be able to work through a process to quickly identify, figure out what that issue is and solve it, putting it away forever. Because a lot of times we'll just end up, I know there's an issue there. I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to go wrap it up, duct tape, ball of twine, stick it in the corner of the office. And before long, I can't get in the office because that ball is so big kind of a thing. So figuring out how to rightly define and, and deal with those issues there. And then fifth component, again, we've already talked about is just the process side. How do we go through and systematize what's most important in our business, making sure it gets done the right way, the best way every time, while still encouraging that creativity, still encouraging that flexibility of our team. And then the sixth component is simply the traction, the, the cadence part of it. So it's traction off of the book, but it's figuring out how to say, again, we've got the vision up at top to say, this is our big 10-year goal. This is our big elephant. We got to be able to bring it back and start executing on it here day in and day out, making sure that everybody's executing on the right thing to make sure that they're really moving forward, that they're we're getting the most value out of our resources because we don't have unlimited people, unlimited time, unlimited finance. We've got to make sure that we're doing the best thing possible here, the right time to execute on that vision. So it's really as we can get those six things tied together, vision, people, data, issues, process, and traction, get all those strengthened, then everything else disappears, everything else falls into it. And once you really start looking at it, the issues you're dealing with of saying, hey, this personnel issue, they're not showing up to work, they're not fitting their, their, their seat. Well, that's actually a problem with our vision, probably. They're not living up to the core values or they don't have the expertise to fit in that seat. All this kind of stuff we deal with on a daily basis starts fitting into those six areas that if we can put in tools, we can put in disciplines, we can put in systems around those six key areas, all the rest of the other noise starts disappearing and it turns into a, a much more fluid machine moving forward. That's awesome. I appreciate you breaking it down because uh, it's so important just to, to, to have that feeling, to have those things in place and, um, and you made it really easy. So that's awesome. Now, as we wrap up, I always like to, to have a little bit of touch on uh, the marketing side of it. How do we make money, right? Because you can have all these wonderful things in place and everyone can buy in and everything runs smoothly, but we need to get customers in the door. We need to get customers to our website, whatever, whatever it is. What are you doing? How do you find your clients and what's working for you right now from a marketing standpoint so you bring in clients for yourself? Well, a lot of it is simply just almost the attitude. I hate to say it's, it's I, I've always been a, a help first kind of attitude. It's, it's like, okay, what can I provide value to you without going out and saying, okay, a hard sales pitch or something like that? How can I bring you value? And then obviously with, with uh, I wouldn't even say the expectation, but still the belief that, okay, if I go out and provide enough value, something's going to come back in return. So to me, that's that mentality goes out through everything. So I still do a lot of podcasts and stuff like this. I'm actually working with my team actually to launch our own podcast right now. So it's, it's actually going to be going live here in a few weeks, nice. but still just that, that mentality and the whole gist of that is still going to be just how can we get entrepreneurs 
almost this same conversation, bring in entrepreneurial business leaders to say, okay, how have you grown your business from A to B? Give back to your fellow, fellow entrepreneurs kind of a thing there to say that, okay, a lot of times I, even I still feel like, okay, I'm, I'm not enough of an expert here to be out teaching this or training this. But the reality is there's always somebody a couple of steps behind you that can benefit from a challenge you went through, a struggle you went through. So still just having that kind of help first mentality, but from a, a more tactical standpoint, like I said, it's, it's doing podcasts like this, it's doing networking. It's just, even though we're doing a lot more of it via Zoom and, and not quite technically face-to-face -face anymore, it's still, in some respects, that's actually made things easier. It's much easier to get on a Zoom call with somebody and not have an hour commute drive time around it or whatever, but it, you do still lose some with the, the lack of direct contact, but still, it's, it's still, and, and really in that respect, I'd say things hadn't changed. It's still networking. It's still talking with people. It's still helping people, getting out and meeting people. So we've, we've started doing it a little bit more virtual here in the last six months, but it's still the same, really. That's awesome. And people, people have the same problems they did before. It's just manifesting a little bit differently. Jeff Chastain, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate the knowledge and the conversation. Thank you very much. And thanks everyone for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.